Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Derek Kessler of Mobile Nations. He'll be talking about the Tesla, the Model 3, the prospects for Tesla in the future, and the possible hazards of self-driving. A little bit later, we'll be hearing about Google I.O., possibly fake AI tests from Renee Ritchie at iMore. All this on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> so, Derek, it's been a while since we talked to you last, and it was about mostly Tesla. And I'll remind our listeners, you have a Model 3. I have a Model lucky, You lucky stiff. Yeah, it's, it's a good ride. How's it working out in terms of reliability? People wonder about that. Reliability, it's been flawless for me. I, I had to take it to the service center in the first week just to get one of the autopilot cameras calibrated. That took 20 minutes, cost me nothing, and I haven't had to go back since. Hey, that sounds good. How many miles do you have? Uh, I think I'm at about 15,000 now. Well, you know, I do that in a week. <laughs> Is that your only car? Yes. What part of the world are you in? I live in Cincinnati, so got some vast stretches of emptiness between our cities. Lots of emptiness. I agree with that. A lot of charging stations? Yes. Yeah, well, uh, we have enough to get me where I need to go. I had a charger installed in my garage so I can charge up at home whenever I need to. And when I have to go out and about, I can easily make it to Indianapolis or Columbus or Louisville or any of the major cities right nearby on a single charge. And there are charging stations there where I can charge back up in 45 minutes to an hour and make it all the way back home with ease. One of the stories we're hearing, which is not very nice, is about recent Tesla crashes that may be blamed on their autopilot system. Now, let me yeah. put things in perspective here. I live in Gilbert, Arizona, which is one town over from Tempe, where they mm -hmm. were doing a lot of testing. And of course, Uber was doing testing too, and they had a problem. So right. what's the story here? Was this something that was the fault of a system that still needs development or something else? It is a system that still needs development, and Tesla acknowledges that. They even still brand Autopilot as being a beta system. The thing with Autopilot is a lot of people don't seem to realize that it's not a system where you can take your eyes off the road and get down on your phone and just zone out and fall asleep. It is nowhere near that yet. And Tesla tries to be very upfront about that. They even have a system where the steering wheel requires inputs from you, just minor inputs to let the car know that you're still there and still paying attention. And if you don't, it says, okay, the driver's dead and stops the car. Uh, so it's nowhere near the ability where you can just let the car do its own thing because there are instances where it misses something or it makes the wrong call. The human driver can see that with all the perspective and knowledge and experience that we have and say, nope, wrong call and take over and make sure that it doesn't go barreling 60 miles an hour into the back of a fire truck. So is this a situation where the driver was expecting too much from the system? Yes, absolutely. I'd like to think of autopilot as if the driver has been promoted to a supervisor and autopilot is just a new employee. It knows 98% of what it needs to know, but sometimes it will encounter something that it hasn't been trained to do or it will miss something that a more experienced hand would have noticed, and you as the supervisor have to step in and stop it. It does mean that you have less work that you have to do, and you can actually be more observational about the space around you, 
I found in the copious amounts of autopilot driving that I've done that is actually a lot more relaxing because I don't have to focus so much on the act of driving and just making sure that the car is doing the right thing. How much time do you have to react if autopilot misses? I have not felt like I got close to anything in, in my experience with ending up in any sort of accident. I try to be an attentive driver, though I'll admit, like all of us, it's very easy to get distracted these days. And autopilot does make it even easier to get distracted. And there's not much Tesla can do about human nature. One of the reasons that they're making autopilot is to get away from human nature. Uh, once it's fully implemented and fully capable of driving, you can fall asleep and you can play around on your phone or read a book. And it won't matter because the car should be able to 100% handle it. But we're years away from that. Today, if the car runs into something it doesn't know how to handle, it will throw a warning up on the dash as quickly as it can. As soon as it realizes that there's something wrong and says you have to take over, it beeps and will start braking if it needs to. Most of the time when the car is doing something that it shouldn't be doing, say the lane markings get hairy and gets confused and starts drifting over to the side, or it's coming up on a stopped object that it should have noticed, but it hasn't, you can usually feel to the point of like the car is going the wrong way or the car is not slowing down and you can take over, but you have to be paying attention for that to happen. Now, that obviously is the issue because people could be lulled into a false sense of complacency. Mm-hmm. Does that require a period of training? It does require understanding, and it seems that it is very easy to get lulled into a false sense of security because 98% of the time it's perfect, and it just cruises right along. I drove it through rush hour here in Cincinnati yesterday. I was in stop-and-go traffic for 20 minutes, and it was fantastic because I didn't have to brake. I didn't have to steer. I didn't have to accelerate. It just kept going with the car in front of me no matter what speed it was going, even if it was stopped. It came to complete stop. That car moved and it kept going. It's very easy to get lulled into a false sense of security and say, yeah, I can check my phone or I can zone out for a little bit. And you can't because the biggest problem is other human drivers on the road, just like it is when you're driving a car on your own. They do have an alert that pops up as soon as you activate autopilot every time you turn it on and engage it. The little alert pops up on the dash saying you have to be prepared to take control. The car will warn you or it may not. You may need to be able to take control. So it gives you a little warning saying, be prepared. And then roughly every three to five minutes, it demands steering inputs. If you haven't been giving it, you can take your hands off the wheel. And they don't recommend that because that means it slows your reaction time in taking over if you need to. So the key is keep your hands on the steering wheel, regardless of what it's doing. I think in New York City, it's going to have trouble. Because it's a far, far worse dealing with that than it is in Cincinnati. No insult intended. You know, it's one of the worst oh, yeah, environments for stop and go driving. Yeah. Right now, it's best for highway driving. Driving down the highway, you know, the, the highways and interstates that route through and around, say, Manhattan, it'll handle that beautifully because it's a controlled environment. The lanes are almost always clearly marked. There may be cars coming into and out of your lane but it can see them and there are no cross sections that it has to worry about. You don't have to worry about pedestrians. You don't have to worry about cars coming at you from a right angle or even come on, coming on you from ahead because everything's going this way. You uh, hope. So, yeah. In ideal <laughs> situations, everything's going that way. If somebody's going the wrong way during rush hour, I don't know what they're doing. Well, that's New York City. Anything might happen. That's true. And uh, it usually does. Now, the other thing about this is that maybe... The best thing that could be said of Tesla here 
I don't know about legal responsibilities of all. Maybe they should be more proactive in notifying the driver not to be lulled into that sense of complacency I mentioned earlier. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things that's kind of hard to, it's difficult to gauge how to do that. Tesla had um, been revealed that they had debated internally the possibility of adding in uh, cameras on the interior of the car to watch the driver and make sure that they're paying attention. Uh, and the report, I think, I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal, they said that it was uh, declined because of cost which is just silly because we're talking about cars that are thirty-five dollars to $150,000. Camera is not that expensive. It already has eight cameras on it. So what's one more? Uh, the problem cited by Elon Musk was reliability. But at the same time, Cadillacs, the new uh, Cadillac, I believe the XTS, has its own sort of advanced autopilot super cruise kind of system. And it has cameras in front of the driver, watching the driver to make sure that their eyes are in the general vicinity of the road. And if you wander your attention away from the road for too long, the car starts yelling at you. Well, I certainly would like to yell at a car. I just (laughs) wonder what voice it uses. I know which one, Samuel L. Jackson. Just a hint for Elon Musk to listen to that. We've got Derek Kessler. We're talking Tesla. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. Uh, January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Uh, Then my real health began going downhill. I had high blood pressure, diabetes, poor vision. I wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking heart and body extract from within a few days. I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes normalized. My sleep improved. Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 that's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 and folks i did not expect this at all by the seventh eighth and ninth day i saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract heart and body extract comes with a 100 percent ironclad money back guarantee details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract 
Get the ultimate knife at an ultimate price. The Fox Karambit Knife. Finally available in the U.S. The Fox Karambit Knife opens with one hand. Faster than you can pull a handgun. For utility, for defense, and for way less than other knives of this caliber. Go to TheUltimateKnife.com. Truly the best knife you will ever own. And only available at TheUltimateKnife.com. Use promo code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Get the ultimate knife at the ultimate price. At TheUltimateKnife.com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-910-5936. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-910-5936. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-910-5936. 1-800-910-5936. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. That's an interesting combination here in pronouncing correctly. Kessler and Tesla. Yes. That's why you're destined to have a Tesla. It was absolutely destiny. All right. Uber. That happened. Mm-hmm. And that happened in, in Tempe. Right. You see a lot of the Uber cars going there. I believe they're Volvo SUVs and they have this thing spinning on the roof. Yes. Thingamajig. And... I do as a side gig, I do some Uber, and I talked one time to one of the people who was working in one of those vehicles, and we talked it over, and he had a good experience. What happened with Uber? Because they've stopped doing the testing since then, haven't they? They, they did put a halt on their testing, or at least a pause, you could call it. Uh, that spinning thing is a LiDAR system. The Teslas are equipped with cameras and radar. The Uber cars are equipped with cameras and LiDAR and radar. So it's got a little another layer of redundancy on top of that. Uh, and what happened is the car simply didn't see the human that stepped out on a road where the human shouldn't have been stepping out. It was dark, so the cameras didn't see them. The LiDAR should have seen them. But this is one of those things where we're still figuring out how all of these work. And it was inevitable that people would die in self-driving car testing. It was guaranteed at some point it was going to happen that it took this long to happen 
that we're, I think, believe three years into Tesla's autopilot system. Uber's been running their trial for a year. Waymo's been doing their thing for a while. That it took this long before somebody actually died is actually kind of remarkable because the thing with Tesla's and Waymo and Uber and all these other self-driving car systems is that at least with the human driver involved, they're better than just a human driver alone. They have 360 degree awareness. They have instant reaction times. They cannot get tired or fatigued or distracted. They have far more input capability than we humans do. We have two eyes and our ears, and occasionally we can smell things on the road. The car sees all, all the time. The question is, is it processing it correctly? Are the algorithms right and all that? And that's the hard part to sort out. The hard, hardware is easy. The software is hard. Well, hopefully they'll get it worked. One would hope so. By doing self-driving cars, we actually are opening up a huge, uh, not, not a Pandora's box, the opposite of Pandora's box. It's going to be massive benefit because it unlocks a lot of time that we humans lose driving. You know, I have to drive to Columbus two or three times a month. It's two hours away each way. That's two hours of time that I lose that I could be doing something else. The car can drive itself. I can read. I can catch up on emails. I can write. I can podcast. I can do all these various things. And at the same time, if the car is fully capable, it's going to be a safer driver than I am, I would hope. If I'm willing to hand it over, I hope that it's as safe as I am, if not better, which means fewer people are going to die, fewer cars will be wrecked, and that'll be a larger economic incentive. And then at the same time, the car can drive itself. That means I don't need to be in it. And the 95% of the time that I'm not using the car and it's just sitting here, I can send it off to go do Uber or Lyft or whatever Tesla's network thing is going to be and actually make money for me versus just sitting in the driveway. Well, there's a point here, too, where at least for people who drive Uber and Lyft and services like that, that they're going to be replaced by the auto drive eventually, not this year, not next year, maybe five years from now. So if mm-hmm. you're doing those gigs, you're going to be out of work, folks. Yeah, eventually that will happen. Uh, and it was an inevitability. It'll replace taxi drivers. It'll replace long-haul trucking drivers. It'll replace UPS drivers. It's going to replace everybody who's driving. But we've been through this before. We, we went through the... We're in the midst of the information revolution, and that has completely changed a bunch of jobs. We're in the midst of the automation revolution that destroyed a bunch of manufacturing jobs. But still, unemployment is at a pretty decent spot right now. There are massive economic restructuring with the industrial revolution, where before 95% of people worked in agriculture, and now only 5% of people do. Yeah, at the same time, there's a report in CNN Money that nearly 50% of the families in the U.S. do not have enough money. To cover basic needs like rent, food, transportation, cell phones, etc. So it's still pretty evil out there. Yeah, yeah, it's not perfect. And it's definitely not as good as it could be. But as things change, we have demonstrated a remarkable capability to adapt and overcome to those changes. Obviously, with self-driving vehicles, they will be more support people needed. There will be other jobs that will open up. So that's certainly a possibility. There'll be some of that, and that might help. Now, the Cadillac system, I know, was tested by one of our regular guests, Rob Pegarero. He's with USA Today and Yahoo Tech and all that. No, I think it's not Yahoo Tech anymore. It's Yahoo something or other. But he took a trip in that Cadillac on an interstate, but was really restricted. It was confined to, I guess, pre-tested superhighways. Right. 
and you had to kind of stay in one lane. And anything yes. you did to deviate from this very narrow spectrum of self-driving support, you had to take over. Yep. Yeah, the, the Cadillac system is very uh, restrained. I'd say it's probably number two to Tesla. It's very close number two. Tesla lets you use it on any road where it can see lane markings, whereas the Cadillac system, they went and mapped in very high resolution highways. But that means at the same time, it can't handle changes to those highways unless they've been remapped. So if part of the highway is suddenly under construction and the lanes shift over, well, you're going to have to take over because the car can't handle that. It's expensive. Of course, if you can pay $60,000 for a Cadillac, it doesn't matter if you spend, what, 5000 more for mm-hmm. this super advanced cruise control. I yeah. certainly, if even if I had a spare sixty grand in the bank and I was just loving Cadillacs, which I don't, nothing personal, GM, I would not get this feature because I would not want to rely on it. You know, I certainly use cruise control, but you have to be pretty alert with cruise control. Anything else lulls you into a sense of security, even a small way. Like I drive a car where it warns you with a flashing light on the side view mirrors if there's a vehicle out of your range of view. And you really can lose your own sense of concentration if you rely on those lights. You got to look because those things sometimes miss. Absolutely. Don't take a chance. So they help you, which is good. But you really should do all the driving yourself and be able to do all the driving yourself and just rely on them as enhancements. Absolutely. All of these are classified as driver assist technologies right now. Like I've been saying the whole time, they are not take your hands off the road and take your close your eyes and take a nap technologies, especially that Cadillac one, because it's watching your eyes. You take a nap, it's going to know. Uh, they are going to improve, obviously, with time especially the Tesla systems, they've equipped these cars with everything that they believe is going to be needed to be fully self-driving in the future. So if you go and buy a a new Tesla today, Model 3 SX, doesn't matter, it will someday be fully capable of driving itself because it has all these cameras and all this radar and sensors. But we are nowhere near that right now. And they are very much driver-assist technologies. And we do have to fight falling into that sense of, uh, that lull, being lulled into a sense of security. I ran into that myself not more than a couple of weeks ago. Let's break it here, and we'll go into that detail. More to come with Derek Kessler. With Mobile Nations, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you like alkaline water or know someone that does, you're going to love the Dillon Living Water Bottle. It creates alkaline water on the go while reducing plastic waste and saving you money. Made with surgical-grade stainless steel, the Dillon Bottle increases the pH up to 9 to deliver both alkaline and antioxidant water anywhere you want it. Alkaline water is healthier, tastes better, and can even boost energy. The Dillon Bottle makes it easy and affordable to be healthy and achieve optimal hydration. Get your Dillon Bottle today at dyln.co. That's dyln.co. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX 
That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. If you owe money to the IRS, you need to hear this. The IRS is cracking down on those who owe back taxes. It starts with a devastating letter. And if you don't act immediately, you could find yourself having your wages garnished or have a lien placed on your property. But there's a solution. Tax 10,000 can help. Avoid enforced compliance, where these holds on your income and seizure of your home could become a nightmare that just won't end. Call 800-239-9957 now and speak to one of our experts. 800-239-9957 is the number to link you directly to a tax resolution specialist who will negotiate with the IRS on your behalf. Working through the IRS Fresh Start program, all the forms will be handled for you. All you have to do is make the toll-free call, 800-239-9957. Find out if you qualify and possibly save yourself thousands of dollars, not to mention a lot of headaches. It could be the best call you've made today. That number again, 800-239-9957. The service does not provide tax settlement or legal services. We will refer you to a company that does provide such services. Often the IRS will not agree to any reduction in the amount owed. Not all taxpayers who owe more than $10,000 will qualify for a tax reduction program. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation. Analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented MyPillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. To summarize, Derek Kessler owns a Model S Tesla, barely driven, 15,000 miles, not even broken in. And we're talking about self-driving technologies, Derek? Yes. It's very easy to get lulled into a sense of security with this. I ran into this myself just two or three weeks ago, driving down the highway, 
cruising along and the tesla it doesn't have the little lights in the mirror it actually shows up in the dash it'll light up little arcs uh, around the car that's displayed in the dash console to show you that there is something detected over here or over there and i looked to my side and there was a semi-truck trailer riding right beside me between the two wheels and i looked at the car in the dash and it's not displaying anything because the ultrasonic sensors are too low to pick up this trailer that's at my eye level and it's very easy to get lulled into that sense of security because the car handles itself well 98 percent of the time and you go it got it's got this it's fine it'll it'll be fine and it's not near that point yet uh, and that's the thing that has happened with almost every one of these autopilot accidents and i'm sure it's eventually going to happen with the cadillac system we saw it happen with the uber cars and it's going to happen with waymo at some point the driver will not be paying attention and the car is going to screw up. It will happen. And it's unfortunate. But at the same time, every time there's an incident, that means that there is a new data point to be very cold about it. There's a new, very significant data point that can be applied to these machine learning algorithms to improve the driving experience. You learn nothing from doing it correctly every time. It's when you make mistakes that you learn something new. And every time a self-driving car wrecks, all self-driving cars improve. You wreck your car, only you learn a lesson from that. But if a self-driving car wrecks, every self-driving car in that system can improve as a result. I learned about the consequences of having a truck veer out of the lane and hit you head on. Not that I could have done much about it, but that's what happened to my previous car. It got whacked and walloped. Yeah, I learned the, the consequences of uh, driving too fast on a, a wet road. My car hydroplaned and flipped over into the ditch. Thankfully, it was a Honda Civic and not a Tesla. But thankfully, these cars are also built very safely, regardless of whether it's a Honda or a GM or a Tesla. Or, they, they are fully capable of protecting their occupants in the vast majority of wreck scenarios, which is a very fortunate thing. But at this point, because there have been so few wrecks that have claimed lives with mm-hmm. self-driving, the ratio of safe miles is still probably a hell of a lot better than with traditional driving, right? Uh, it is very high, yes. Even after the, the first fatality, as far as I know, there's only been one confirmed fatality on autopilot. Uh, and that was the gentleman in Florida who was driving what was, I believe, 10 or 15 miles an hour over the speed limit on a non-interstate but divided state highway in Florida. And of all things, a semi-truck turned across his lane. The car's cameras didn't see it because it was bright and the truck was white. And the car drove right underneath the trailer. And it's not quite low enough to clear the trailer. And even at that point, that was the first one, and it was over a year ago. When that was tacked on, all of a sudden, you know, they had a data point to add into the deaths per mile because up to that point it had been zero and it was still markedly better i believe it was four or five times better than the average human driver of course it is worth noting that tesla's autopilot system is best used and most used on highways where accidents are less likely to happen versus driving around on a city street where you can drive through an intersection somebody misses the red light and they hit you right broadside like that can't happen on a highway so there is some self-selecting to that but it is still, even today, potentially far safer than a human driver. Unfortunately, every single one of those accidents will get bad publicity. 
So they'll be saying, well, the system is bad. The system is flawed. It's not ready. How many years do you think it'll take before it's something that people will begin to trust? Five years, 10 years, what? Uh, with the Model 3 coming out and cars getting in a lot more people's hands, uh, I think it will become more more accepted that this, these accidents will happen, especially when they become fewer and fewer, well, at least fewer and fewer compared to us human drivers. Uh, but they will still be obviously more Tesla accidents the more Teslas there are. Uh, it is definitely part of the novelty of that, and it doesn't hurt the media coverage that Elon Musk is a very assertive CEO that definitely drives part of the media narrative because there's a lot of excitement around whatever Elon Musk is doing this week, uh, whether it's boring tunnels or launching rockets or landing rockets because he's a crazy person. But yeah, definitely every time there's a Tesla accident, it's breaking news. A Tesla car wrecked and caught on fire. That happens to gas cars all the time. Drive down the highway every week and then you're going to see some sort of burned out husk of an old Pontiac that got into an accident because it turns out that we're all driving around flammable gas machines. Especially Pontiacs with burnt out husks. You know, they can't sue us for defamation because Pontiac is no longer being made. So more and more of their vehicles are husks of one sort or another. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of actually a little bit of a risk with Tesla right now is that they could go out of business. I I think it's unlikely. They have a business model right now, though, that demands that they spend a lot of money uh, because they do have to do things like build out this massive gigafactory in Nevada and build out a huge supercharger network to charge these cars so that people can actually drive distances between cities. Uh, So their capital expenses are enormous uh, compared to, say, Ford or GM, where they've built their factory and they don't have to build new ones. And if they're going to build a new one, it's going to be in Mexico or Thailand or somewhere. Even though certain people will say that's not happening. Right, right, right. It's not happening. No, no, not. But yeah, I mean, Ford is, for example, they are cutting out their entire passenger cars market. In a couple of years, there will be no more Taurus, no more Focus, no more Fusion. And it's going to be all trucks and crossovers and SUVs, except for one car. They're still going to make the, at least in North America. Uh, they are going to sell one more, two cars uh, in North America. They'll have the Mustang still because that still sells for Ford. And they'll have the Focus RS, I believe, is what they were still going to sell because it's a sporty little car. But it's going to be made in China and shipped over here. The last time I drove a Focus, I had rented it when the car was tied up because of a wreck. I sent it back. I could not stand it. The seats were so uncomfortable. And I'm not weird. I'm 6'1". I weigh 180 pounds or less, so I'm proportioned fairly normal. Mm-hmm. And it was still a pretty, pretty bad car. And I'm very happy I didn't use it. But I understand about sedans. I mean, you look at the sales everywhere, and part of that has been the lowering price of gas, but now the gas is way up there. I was paying yeah. like two twenty, two nineteen nine a gallon or something like that. It's I now pushing $3. Will that change consumers' minds about what to buy? That it could. I mean, a, an electric car is far cheaper to run per mile than any gas car. You know, I have a Model S, and a Model S is not. You were saying? So I have a Model S, and it's obviously not a cheap car. 
but I get the equivalent price-wise of about 100 to 110 miles per gallon running off of electricity. Uh, and that's near impossible for any gas-powered car, or even the highest-end Priuses, to come close to meeting. So there is an enormous cost advantage to that. And the more expensive gas gets, the better the cost argument for an electric car becomes, uh, especially when you've got more affordable cars like the Model 3 or the, the Nissan Leaf or even the Chevy Bolt that can do good range and they're not bad cars. Um, and, and they can justify that cost a bit more than right now, but they are still more expensive up front than a gas car because it turns out that big giant packs of battery cells are still expensive. Let's move to the Model 3 in our next segment. More to come with Derek Kessler on the Tech Night Out Live. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com want revenge on the common housefly well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. This is Fred. Uh, Hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Okay, Derek Kessler on the Tech Night Owl Live. We know that Tesla is struggling mightily. That I say struggling mightily to be able to keep up with demand, which is probably a couple of years hence at this point, in mm-hmm. filling orders. The last I heard, they were getting between 2,000 and 2,500 cars out per week, hoping for 5,000 a week by June. What's going on there? We'll see about that. Uh, I tried to take any estimates that Elon Musk offers. Uh, about production timelines or when some feature will be available or if they're going to do any feature at all with a grain of salt. With Tesla, I have come to uh, the position of when it comes to future things, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, And they are steadily ramping up the Model 3 production uh, pace, but it has not happened nearly as quickly as they wanted. And that led to delays in people getting their cars and delays in expected features actually reaching market. We're still at the point where if you were to order and configure a new Tesla Model 3 today when we're recording this, you have the option of a black leather interior or black leather interior. You can pick from, I believe, five or six colors and two wheel styles. And that's it. Because they're trying to keep their production line simplified until they add in more things like the uh, lower capacity battery pack and the dual motor system and different interior options. And it's taken them longer than they expected to spin this up. And it's kind of hard to dismiss this as, oh, Tesla's new at this, like they were when they first started with the Model S, because they've been making cars now for 10 years. They've never done it at this scale. I'm sure that if Bentley were to come around and say, we're going to make a $35,000 Bentley, they have no experience doing it at the scale and speed that they would need to do that. Neither does Tesla. So they're still learning 
how all this works. But so far, it seems like Model 3 has been a lot more reliable out of the gate than, say, the Model S was. Yeah, we'd hope they do faster, but they've never produced 2,000 cars in a week. No. On the other hand, I kind of think if there's a steady growth, by the end of the year, the criticisms will be lessened. You know, I think 5,000 is kind of a magic bullet there. Because that's what, 5,000 cars a week, 20,000 cars a month, 200, what, 40,000 cars a year. Suddenly yeah, people will shut up. Yeah, yeah, that, that would definitely make a difference. It's one of the things, put up or shut up. And right now Tesla has not put up, so they can't tell people to shut up. They are still working and increasing their production rate at a steady clip. And that will help somewhat, especially once they can get to the point where you can go to a your local Tesla store and sit in the Model 3 and buy it and walk off, drive off with it that day. You can't do that right now. If you, if you or I were to go on and place our $1,000 reservation for a Model 3 right now, it would be months before we had a chance to order, maybe even a year, because there are still two or 300,000 more people in front of us. Well, obviously, the faster they get those units out there, get those cars out of the factory, the faster they collect money for the sale of those cars and the faster they build up cash flow, which is obviously one of the issues here that people worry about. Will they bring up the cash flow fast enough to cover all the losses they're sustaining? Yeah, and, and that is a, a big, a very big question. Uh, and Tesla could turn a profit right now if they wanted to, just like how Amazon, if they really wanted to, they could turn a very large, healthy profit every quarter. But the way that the business model works for Amazon is that they take all that profit and dump it back into the company. And they're investing in research and development and new products and services and everything and expanding the company. Tesla is doing that, except that they're very young and burning through more cash than they're bringing in because they do have to do things like build out this gigafactory so they can make battery packs at scale affordably and building out their supercharger network so that people can justify buying these cars so they can drive them anywhere. Like right now, if I wanted to, I could not drive my Tesla to Winnipeg. I could, but I would get to North Dakota and then it would take me two days to get the 500 miles to Winnipeg because I have to stop and charge the car overnight. Obviously, that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they, there are massive infrastructure costs that have to go into this. And that's why you see things like Ford and Mercedes and other companies partnering with each other to build out their own fast charging networks like the Ionity system that's going in in Europe, which is going to be a fast charging CCS system so that people can pull up with any car with a compatible port and plug in and charge there, whereas Tesla's is Tesla's only system. Now, that's really like having a gas station for Ford's but not compatible with GMs. Yep. That's that. stupid. They eventually, these car makers have to all get together and say, well, they'll either have adapters, but we have to support every electric car out there. And if we don't, people are going to be inconvenienced. We can't expect Tesla to fill out the nation, big cities, small cities, rural areas with 500 people, and they'll have charging stations. That's not going to happen. But if GM jumps in there and, other companies, it will. Right. And there are a, a couple of competing standards. There's the uh, J1772, which is your standard EV plug charger. Electric cars that we've been seeing for a decade now 
use that standard SAE charging port. Uh, and it's not super fast, but if you hook it up to a high amperage, high voltage source, you can get some pretty decent charge rate out of it. Then there is the Chatamo, which is uh, made by Nissan and a couple of other companies support it as well. It's a high, high power DC charger and the CCS system, which is more standard, broader standard that more companies can use. More companies do use like the uh, Chevy Bolt has a CCS connector. That is another high power DC charger so that you can charge quickly. Uh, the Teslas obviously have their own connector. They're like Apple. We're doing it our own way. Uh, yeah, a little bit different, though, there, because Apple had reasons for doing that with Lightning, but most of the other ports are all industry standard. So you right, always have exactly. a way to do something, with- and there are adapter plugs. But in a situation like this, the industry has to get together because it's not just plugging in a smartphone, because you can always get an adapter for $9 or something, or $5. I can get a Lightning plug that works with my car for $5. And it's approved by Apple. So that is not so bad. But when it comes to the cars, at some point they have to sit down and say, now let's work out a deal. Let's work out a converter system. So everybody supports everybody and eventually they'll settle on one. It's not like a car that uses a diesel because there are a lot of diesel gas stations and then regular or medium or premium. You know, that's something that is easily worked out in a single gas station. They've yeah. got to work out that system with these charging stations because the system will never expand and everybody will come out with their own system. Now, I understand they may think their technology is better, but for something like this, it's not like the smartphone. They have to sit back and get it together and figure it out. I think the ideal thing here is to find a way to charge a normal electric car in 15 or 20 minutes. And I think anything more than that still inconveniences the customer. It is some inconvenience. And, and I backtracking a bit, the Teslas do come with the J1772 adapters. So you get a Tesla today, you can charge it at all Tesla chargers, and you can charge it at the vast majority of like public charging stations that you'll see in garages or municipal centers and whatnot. They do also offer an adapter for Chatamo. And Tesla's CEO Elon Musk has said that they are open to working with other companies to have them be compatible with Tesla's charging network, which would probably have to mean they'd have to get an adapter from Tesla to their connector. But so far, nothing's come of that. I think partly because most companies don't want to have to tell their customers, hey, I know that you've got a a Chevy Bolt here, but you can go charge at that Tesla station. As much as they're working together to do things like build out this Ionity thing where they have shared ownership of the charging network they're not so keen on just sending customers over to a competitor branded charging station Uh, as for charge speed that is definitely an inconvenience it takes time now if i want to drive from one end of ohio to the far corner go from cincinnati to cleveland i could do that in a gas car in five hours and that's including having to stop to fill up the tank halfway through if i want to do that in my tesla it's going to take me probably closer to seven hours because I'm going to have to drive to Columbus. I have to stop, plug in, charge for 30, maybe 40 minutes, drive halfway to Cleveland. There's a charging station there, and I'll have to charge for another 30 or 40 minutes to be sure that I get to Cleveland with charge to get around to where I need to go. And the big hurdle with improving charge speed, well, there are two of them. One is battery chemistry. Uh, and we'll get into the second one. 
in a moment with Derek Kessler, who drives a Tesla. More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Are you sick of me saying that? Okay, so that was step one of the process. Derek, what's step two? Step one, we have to improve the battery chemistry. It has to charge faster. The car itself has to be capable of that. The step two, the connectors themselves have to be capable of that. All the high-powered DC chargers right now will charge at all the way up to 280, 400 volts, and 400 amps, which is just a massive amount of power, which means that these have these enormous thick, you know, two-inch thick cables that you have to wrangle and get over to the car and plug in. They try to make them as convenient as they can. They have, have reels and whatnot to hold up these heavy cables so that you can connect it to your car so the charging stations themselves have to be improved i understand therefore that most drivers need to lift weights for a while yes there's absolutely some some workout that has to be done with this the transformers that feed these chargers have to be upgraded as well right now the, the teslas have these each tesla charging station say it has eight stalls has four transformers to power just those eight stalls. So all of those will have to be upgraded to higher wattage transformers. 
Uh, and the infrastructure feeding that will also have to be upgraded. And we're running into infrastructure problems already, not with electric cars, but with solar, because solar power is now feeding into the network and it has completely changed the demand curve where it usually would bump up a little bit in the morning and then peak in the evening. Uh, and now there's just this massive dip in the power supply demand curve where there's a lot of solar deployed, say, in the Southwest or in California versus in less uh, solar dense areas like where I am. Electric car charging is going to throw another wrinkle into that, especially when you have to deal with people like charging when they're leaving work and a lot of people going to charge or they're coming home and plug again and all of a sudden there's a big draw on the power grid that was not a thing that we had to worry about two years ago. You know, at this point, even if I have the money for an electric car, I think I'm going to wait till they get all this stuff sorted out. And you got to consider here, too, that the Tesla Model 3 advertises itself as starting at $35,000, which is about the same as a BMW Model 3, actually slightly higher. But once you get the bundled version with all the goodies, which is what they're selling, they're not selling the right. cheapest version, they're selling something in the middle. So you're talking about $45,000, $50,000, which is kind of the same situation as BMW. You can uh -huh. drive out with a BMW 3 Series for the low 30s. But by the time you equip it with lots of goodies and electric and the leather seats and all the other stuff, suddenly it's 40, it's 50. You know, it's the way it is. At this point, this is not an affordable car, except for this subsidy that comes into play from the U.S. government. But that's going to go away when they sell what? Total of 200,000 cars? Is that the limit? That is correct. And Tesla is running up on that really fast. Nissan has already passed that because they've sold a bunch of Leafs uh, and some plug-in hybrid cars. So they've already hit that 200,000 units sold in the U.S. mark. And there are some state subsidies and other countries have their own subsidies and credits that they offer. And that will make a difference. That's part of the reason why Tesla's gone out and produced the $35,000 car is because it'll still be more affordable than you know, buying a Model S or a Model X where they start at seventy dollars or $80,000. The tax stuff does have an impact. It changed my plan for when I was going to buy the car. So I, I bought it right at the end of the year. So I could claim that tax credit right then instead of waiting until January and then having to wait until 2018 to file my taxes to claim that tax credit. It, it does make a difference. Uh, and we've seen that in some other countries, like in, I believe, Singapore, they got rid of their tax credit and Tesla sales plummeted. But their tax credit was also very, very generous compared to the U.S. one, which is generous, but not enough that you can go, oh, I can afford this car now. If you can't afford the car when it's $7,500 cheaper, you probably shouldn't be buying a new car right now anyway. That's just my own financial opinion of that. Well, unless you get a really, really super deal or a lease purchase kind of deal. Sure. Then. Yeah. And in which case, you're not necessarily buying the car. If you can swing it and justify it in your finances, absolutely, that's fine. But buying a new car is very much a luxury thing. This was the first time I've ever bought a new car. Every car I owned before this was used because I knew it was, even though I signed the loan paperwork for this car and drove it off the lot and I knew it lost you know, 10% of its value right then, uh, whereas that doesn't happen so much with a used car. I have to think you were scared to death buying a car this expensive. It was very much a leap. It wasn't one that I had been planning on making even you know, six or seven months before that. I, I had at that point been looking at plug-in hybrids instead. because I, I wanted to do something electric, and I 
drive mostly around town. So 20 or 30 or even 40 miles of all electric range would be enough for me most of the time. And then I would be able to switch over to gas and I wouldn't have to worry about the inconvenience of having to stop and charge. Uh, but then there was just, there was one specific car. My car is kind of a, an oddball in the production timelines of Tesla. So it was very deeply discounted and I'm like, Oh, I think I can swing that. And so far it's been okay. Let me ask you a personal question, which you do not have to answer. What do you pay per month for this? My per month payments are, I believe $1,100 a month. And that's on an 80 month, uh, loan program with 1.9% APR. $1,100 a month. Yep. Better you yep. than me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a very much a tech nerd and gadget head, and I just went out and bought the biggest gadget I could find. And by the way, he eats the $1 McDonald's hamburger. You have to trade off somewhere along the line. Absolutely. And the kids aren't going to go to college unless they pay for it themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I did. So I figure they can do the same. All right. Well, there's that. I am not going to ask for donations to pay for my next Tesla, even if it's five or six hundred dollars a month, which is probably what a purchase of a Model 3 would cost, even with all the deep discounts and everything. But at this point here, Tesla is in the BMW territory in terms of pricing in every right. range. When do they get into the Honda territory, which is going to be like a Honda Accords, what, low 20s to mid 30s? Is there going to be a Tesla Model 2? I don't know that there ever will be. The next Tesla is going to be the Model Y, uh, which is going to be uh, essentially an SUV version of the Model 3, but more of a crossover version uh, in the same way that the Model 3 is a smaller cheaper version of model s the model y will be a smaller cheaper version of the crossover model x uh, i don't know that it'll have the insane gull wing doors or anything like that I, I hope not those are expensive and bulky uh and uh I, I can see them being a problem in the hands of too many consumers there are problems enough for enough model x owners uh, the question of a cheaper one i don't know that they ever will that was originally on the roadmap but then i believe about a year ago they decided now nah, we don't need to do this because one of the things that we're going to run into is actually decreasing car ownership in probably the next decade or so we're already seeing that with the likes of uber and lyft and once cars are able to fully drive themselves there's actually going to be a lot less of an incentive for individual people to own a car when you can just hail a car and it comes and picks you up wherever you are and takes you to wherever you need to go. Okay. I kind of wait for that. And I think one of the things I see in terms of self-driving is that I will reach a point where I'm too old because I'm an older guy compared to you. Too old to drive. I don't know when that will be. I mean, the way I drive now appears to be as safe as it was when I was 50 or 25. Yeah, but there's a point where I'm going to have to say, you know, I got to give up this license. This is not going to work for me. And then I would possibly want to get something that's self-driving. Yeah. Or just take Uber or Lyft, whatever, when I need to go somewhere. Because there are days where I don't drive very much. I drive to the Circle K to get myself a cup of coffee. And maybe then I can get like a monthly subscription for a certain number of miles. 
which would be a good way of doing it for people who are older and don't have a lot of money. They're on fixed incomes and everything. Have them pay a fixed monthly fee. Maybe there'll be some government aid. Who knows? I know some people don't want to talk about government aid because they think we shouldn't help people who need the help. But the point being here, that's how we go. More to come with Derek Kessler on the Tech Night Alive. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. How well and how fast does heart and body extract work to improve blood circulation? Listen. My name is Ellis, and I am 66 years old, and I live in Jacksonville, Florida. Two years ago, I was diagnosed as having clogged arteries. I had 70% blockage in one artery leading to my heart. They wanted me to go on Plavix, but I refused, knowing the negative side effects. Heart and Body Extract is a unique balance, synergy, and proportion of herbs reaching from head to toe at maximum absorption around 95% at the cellular level. Within the first month, I felt a dramatic difference. The heaviness in my legs was reduced, and within two months, I felt completely normal. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. You have been lied to. Generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, you, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Order now at KillingUncleSamBook.com. KillingUncleSamBook.com. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Our final segment with Derek Kessler on the Tech Night Out Live talking about Tesla and the fact that Tesla now is probably going to stick with the low-end luxury market and up. Also, they're going to have the pickup trucks. When's that going to happen? I honestly don't know about the pickup truck. There's part of me that thinks that's just a a tongue-in-cheek joke, but at the same time, it could very much happen. We've seen the power that these vehicles have. A Model X towed a 787 Boeing jet earlier this week as a publicity stunt for Qantas, but it's just a consumer SUV towing wide-body jetliner down the tarmac. Uh, so these definitely have the power to be able to do that. Uh, some of the newest large like mining equipment, these massive trucks are that carry ore all around are fully electric which is kind of remarkable. They actually use regenerative braking on the way down to fully recharge their battery and drive back up to the top of the mountain. As for a consumer version of that, I don't know, because part of it comes down to it has to be a lot more durable, at least in theory, than a sedan has to be. If I buy a, a Chevy Silverado, I expect it to be able to just take a beating. And right now, you know, the aluminum body, aluminum frame, battery pack, skateboard design of these cars may not be able to handle what you can throw at a, an F-150 or a Jeep. Well, that I can see very much here, that in terms of reliability, it's not going to be nearly as good. But it's a test case at this point, right? It, it very much is. Well, you know, as I said, I'm still not going to buy one. Unless I reach a point where I can't drive, but then I guess with Lyft and Uber, that's where it's going to happen. So that's going to be pretty good. I still find it unfortunate, though, that we can't buy, we can't accept sedans like we used to, because that's hardly a matter of saving money and saving gas, because I think most people who drive the SUVs or the trucks, they don't have a big family there. They have one person. Yeah. Yeah. You see the vast majority of cars driving down the highway. There's one person in them, whether it's the vast majority of cars that you see driving down the highway, there's one person in it, whether it's a Honda Civic or a Chevy or a Cadillac Escalade. There's just one person in that car most of the time. And definitely we don't need these enormous vehicles. They give people that feeling of safety. I, I My very first car was a Chevy Blazer. It wasn't a big, huge SUV, more a little one. And it definitely had that feeling, though, of being very much a tank compared to my next car, a Honda Civic. Well, that car also strikes me as a tank. Even the smallest SUV or crossover is a tank to me. It Mm -hmm. doesn't feel safe. I feel safer 
in a smaller controllable car. Now, obviously, some cars are too small, but a compact car or a midsize, that's what I tend to buy, depending on what kind of deal I get. Sure. So, as a matter of fact, I had a midsize car that was totaled, and I traded down to a compact. I'm cool with that. It does what you need to do. It carries you and your stuff from point A to point B. And it's a reasonable cost. That's exactly what people need from a car. Uh, and right now, electric cars can't necessarily offer the reasonable cost part of that uh, equation. We're getting closer. But yeah, the, the things like you know, nobody needs a Tesla Model X. But maybe there are some people who need a car that can carry seven passengers, whereas the Model Model S can only carry five. And the Model 3 can carry five if you're very comfortable being tight in the, very, the back seat. Uh, there, there's always trade-offs to be made. Some people need conversion vans to carry all their massive brood, and then there are people that it's just them, and they could get by with a motorbike. Uh, but whether that can work as a car company, especially when you're Tesla and you're still struggling to just build the Model 3 at the scale that they need to, they've got much bigger problems than whether they're going to be able to offer a pickup truck in the next decade. Looking at it realistically, does Tesla get all this work down in the next year? Obviously, they have to. I think they're going to get the Model 3 production stuff definitely ironed out in a year. It may take a while before they're around to consistently turning a profit, in part because these massive infrastructure uh, and hard capital costs that they're investing in are going to continue. The Building the Gigafactory is going to take probably another two years, and then they're going to start building another Gigafactory in China or someplace else because shipping cars overseas is expensive. Uh, Supercharger network is going to get continue to be built out because there are gaps in this network. Uh, there are places in the world where you can't justify owning a Tesla. There are places in like Nebraska where it's hard to justify owning a Tesla because just the closest supercharger networks are right at the edge of your range. And so they're going to have to continue to build that out. I run into that just if I want to drive out into southeastern Ohio. There are no superchargers out there. And if I just want to drive halfway out and back, I'm going to be right at the edge of my battery range. It would be great if there's a charger there, and someday I'm sure there will be. But Tesla's going to have to continue to spend money and spend money and spend money to build these. And to get that money, they're going to have to sell more cars. It's the chicken and the egg problem. Well, Amazon hasn't made much of a profit. Most of the time they have losses and they've put most of the money back into their company, Mm -hmm. which makes sense, although now the profits are much higher. But all the profits that Amazon has made through its entire lifetime, going back to the mid-1990s, is less profit than Apple shows in one quarter. Apple's profit is very anomalous compared to everything but oil companies. Uh, Apple has, you know, an uncanny ability to print money. They, they might as well just be the Federal Reserve at the rate that they rake in profits. And uh, the so. thing is here, as much as we complain about Apple and high prices, it's that they're focusing on the higher price stuff. Because yeah. in terms of smartphones, the comparable smartphones are in the same price range. Absolutely. A Galaxy Samsung S9. has Galaxy Note 8s, 9s, whatever they are now, in the $900 price range near the yep. iPhone ten which was the largest selling smartphone on the planet. And in terms of workstation computers like the iMac Pro, you want to buy a Windows version with a 5K display and all the other goodies, the 
Xeon W processor, suddenly you're paying five, six, seven thousand or more. So Apple always sits there selling premium priced equipment, but if you look at the comparison, the price is competitive. I mean, Apple is dinged for high cost of RAM upgrades and everything. And I went over to look at the price at Dell and their RAM upgrades were $25 less. <laughs> they look at, they, a, pardon? I'm dropping $3,000 on a computer. What's 25 bucks? And, right. You know, and it's well, yeah, but I'm saying 25 bucks difference. So if you pay $200 for the upgrade from Apple, a comparable upgrade for a Windows notebook would be 175 from the manufacturers. Of course, most people, if you can replace RAM, you go to the third-party dealers and take care of it. In any case, we're going to have to print more money to keep you on longer. I'm kidding. <laughs> Derek, thank you for joining us. Tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can find me all across the mobile nation sites. That's imore.com, androidcentral.com, windowscentral.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. I am Derek A. Kessler. That's D-E-R-E-K-A-K-E-S-S-L-E-R. Derek, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. 
What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. From iMore Magazine, Renee Ritchie joins us for the very first time. We hope it's not the last on the Tech Night Owl Live. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, like many others, you went to Google I.O., where all the goodies from Google for the coming year were announced. Can you give our listeners kind of a brief summary before we get to the meat here? It was a very Google show. They moved, uh, much like some other tech giants, they've moved to the South Bay area. So they're doing it outside. They have a lot of people attending. And their message this year, like last year, was very focused on artificial intelligence, on the value that Google can bring by doing deep learning, machine learning, computer vision, and all the all the latest buzzwords to your devices for everything from assistance to the way your app icons are organized to dic- trying to dictate email on your behalf, make phone calls on your behalf, uh, sort through your photos, find moments, uh, share with people. Basically, the goal was to make your devices work more for you so that you can work less through them. Okay, so that just sounds like normal stuff. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So now let's parse this. What about these announcements are going to make our lives better, richer? The common, I guess, joke maybe, or the the common, uh, maybe even the common shot at Google is that every year they announce so many things and some of them never ship, some of them ship and are quickly abandoned. Um, And some of them, you know, maybe a few of them stick, but just Google is willing to try such a sheer volume of things. The other big joke is that Google can't make a chat app to save their life. You know, they've had Allo 
and they've had duo and they've had hangouts and they've had G talk and, and the list goes on and on. And I think this year they didn't so much focus on a ton of new products, but they focused on making products better, like maps, integrating augmented reality so that if you, one of the problems they pointed out was it tells you to walk in a direction, but it doesn't know what direction you're facing. So how do you know what direction to walk? And they said, if we hold the camera up and we identify what building you're looking at, we can show you little arrows, turn left, turn right, or maybe make like a little digital pet for you to follow. And I think those are the sort of problems they're learning to handle. With Google Maps and Apple Maps has the problem too. When you're going to like a shopping center, Finding where the specific store you want to go to is not always easy. And I also do a little ride sharing side gigs and it drives me crazy. Especially in big cities because the buildings interfere with GPS. So it takes a while to lock onto the signal. You might walk half a block before it tells you that you're walking in the wrong direction. And when you're inside, you don't have access to GPS. So they're doing all these internal mapping and they're using Bluetooth beacons, all this other technology, but it's nowhere nearly as mature as the outdoor maps yet. And of course, if you have a paying customer in the back seat and you're trying to take them to their destination or even find where they live, the right apartment number, forget it. It is a huge challenge. And especially like if you're supposed to pick somebody up and the app says your driver is here and you're looking at an empty street and really the driver is one street away and they think they are where you are and you think you are where they are. And that's a terrible experience for everybody. And they rate you as having poor navigation. Yes. And then you say they're a, they're a bum client. I mean, it just, it's it. <laughs> it's the worst of all, it's a sum of all bad things. Okay. So in terms of Google IO this year, augmented reality, artificial intelligence. Yes. So with maps, it, yes. you're going to use your camera on your smartphone to help it figure out where you are. Yeah. I mean, the smartphone right now is sort of the proxy. Everybody thinks that in a few years, this technology will be built into glasses. Uh, or or a similar device so that you can just look and you'll have this layer of information uh, lacquered on top of you. So you'll look and it'll tell you uh, the same way you look at Google Maps today. You see a map, but then you see these little dots on it and it looks like a business dot or a medical dot uh, or a restaurant dot. And you can tap on that and get more information. And it doesn't distract from what you're doing, but when you do tap on it, it does provide that information. That'll eventually be our glasses where we're looking around And we see like, this is left, this is right, this is north, this is east, this is a restaurant, this is a hotel, this is what the rates are, this is what the average cost is. But we don't have that technology yet. So I think everybody is busy testing these ideas and getting people acclimatized to it, uh, sort of boiling the the frogs, so to speak, with phones. And they're not as convenient. Like you'll look funny standing on a street corner holding your phone up, trying to get it to lock onto a, a point of interest or a landmark or a, a sign or something so it can tell you where you are. But it, they're hoping that it provides so much information once it does that they'll, in a major city, you'll, you, you won't think it's odd to have a whole bunch of people holding their phones up, turning left and right all the time. Well, it's better than putting some ridiculous glasses on your yeah, head. I mean, eventually they'll be built into normal glass. Like Intel had a, uh, a demo a few months ago that's not going to be a product, but they just had a very small laser that was shooting tiny bits of information like notifications into what looked like completely normal glasses. And enough people wear sunglasses or prescription glasses that if they don't look funny, they don't look like Google Glass or they don't look like any of the Microsoft mixed reality headsets, they'll probably become acceptable over time. Right. Or people will think you're shooting out laser beams or x-ray beams because you're trying to be Supergirl. There's ideas of contact lenses. And there's even like some people are experimenting with lenses that will hack the photons as they're going into your eyes and overlay the data. 
so that there's no actual display. It's just rewriting the code from the photon as it's coming into you. So I mean, this is all getting really science fiction-y, but I think that's why we're seeing so much in terms of location. and our, Because augmented reality, we think of it now like you hold up your phone and you see a little robot dancing in front of you. But these are really giant information digestion systems. They're trying to figure out what are the horizontal planes, what are the vertical planes, what is the environment you're looking at uh, consist of so that it can ingest that data and start giving more information about it. It no, sort of doesn't just know you, it knows the world around you. And that's what all these devices are becoming. We used to have just dumb home buttons, and then they got Touch ID, and they could recognize our fingerprints. And we used to have dumb microphones, and then they got assistants like Siri and, and Google and Alexa, and now they understand our voices. And we used to have dumb cameras, and then they got Face ID, and they could tell who, who we are. And this is sort of the next generation of that, where it doesn't just know us, but it knows where we are and what the constraints of that environment are. You mentioned contact lenses. Now, let me tell you about my peculiar situation. I wear contact lenses, which is not unusual. Yeah. And then, however, because I also need reading glasses, I have two choices. I can get what is called multifocal contact yeah. lenses, except that I have astigmatism, which means I can get multifocal contact lenses that cost three or four times what regular contact lenses cost, and that is a no-no. So I choose to wear reading glasses when necessary. Like right now, I'm wearing reading glasses. But I could take them off and I can see, fine, it's just a tiny print that I can't. So something there is going to be picking up radiation and all sorts of stuff, some electronic nightmare. And if you think multifocal contact lenses, that's, you know, it's kind of like progressive or bifocal. If you think multifocal contact lenses can be expensive, what about embedding all these computer chips and everything in your contacts? Yeah, or when they just start giving us cybernetics. I mean, I, I'm similar to you. I woke up one day, uh, I'm really badly nearsighted, and I woke up one day and I could no longer see close to me with my glasses on, and I wore contacts, and now I, I keep going back and forth trying to get it figured out, and now I have my right contact, yeah, my left contact is, is for seeing far, and my right contact is for seeing near, and they insist my brain will figure it out, but my brain keeps saying, nope, 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 so yeah, I'm right there with you. You did an article yes. a few days ago, the problem isn't duplex or AI, it's Google. All right. Yes. What is the problem? We are going to break in about a minute, but we can start it now. So I think that all of these topics are fine. Some people will look at it, uh, something like Duplex. And if people aren't familiar with it, Duplex was this big demo. It was the big demo of the show where Google said that they've gotten their assistant to the point where it can start interacting with humans. It could essentially pass the Turing test. And so they did a demonstration of Google Assistant calling a hair salon to book you a hair appointment. And you said, uh, okay, Google, make me a hair appointment between 10 and 12 o'clock next Tuesday. And Google called a real person at that hair salon and the person answered. And it said, I need a hair appointment. And it would also make human sounds like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, okay. It would sound conversational, not like a machine. And it said, can we do it at 12 o'clock? No, that's booked. How about one o'clock? No, that's too late. Can we do it before then? 11.15, okay, perfect, thank you. And then it would send you a notification telling you that the appointment was done. We got to book this appointment, but we can't do it with Google Assistant. We have to say it directly. More to come with Renee Ritchie of I'm More on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. 
They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Healthcare reform is confusing, but whether it's finding an affordable insurance plan, keeping your doctor, or being able to afford needed prescriptions, navigating the healthcare system has become a challenge. Control your own healthcare costs and choices with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of each other's medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. With uncertain times in the United States, it's only prudent to consider storing precious metals in a safe place outside our borders. At Miles Franklin, we have done just that for you. Partnered with the most respected storage company in the industry, Miles Franklin is proud to offer the only fully insured private safe deposit box program in North America held in Vancouver and Toronto. Send us your previously purchased precious metals or have one of our brokers help you purchase something new. Questions? Please call one of our experienced brokers at 866-485-4346. Solid Foundational Storage, partnered with the most respected name in security. Maintaining an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and residing in Minnesota, the only state in America that regulates the precious metals industry, making doing business in precious metals with Miles Franklin the safest choice. Call us at 866-485-4346. Again, that's 866-485-4346. Miles Franklin Limited, a name you can trust. Broadcasting to over a 1,000 radio stations, GCN programming is in all of the largest markets. A GCN advertising career could be the business opportunity you've been waiting for. Companies need hardworking representatives just like you to handle their needs, while you earn residual income which can last for years. Companies are buying and they need you. Email advertise at GCNlive.com or call 877-996-4327. That's 877-996-4327. Thank you. 
What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. Okay, so I saw that. The, I don't know if it was a playback of the demonstration. Yeah. So in a predictable way, you can have a conversation booking. But then there are going to be lots of gray areas. Yes. Because that speaks of talking to a generic receptionist. But what yes. if that person is someone you know? Like when my wife may call someone to book something, she may call somebody she knows. And there's yes. a level of personal conversation. You can't do that now with a voice assistant. Now. No, uh, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of issue. The main problem that I was highlighting is that Google presented this as a a very cocky, very swing our AI around tech demo to say like, look how amazing our assistant is. But they didn't present any humility. They didn't present any self-knowledge. They didn't say that exactly what you said, that this works only in a very constrained environment. If it's somebody you know, there might be a problem. It also didn't, Google didn't discuss whether not telling the person on the other end of the line that you're a machine and not a human was ethical or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. This is a whole conversation that our generation is going to have to have and they were uniquely positioned to start that conversation, and they completely punted on it. And they didn't explain exactly how the demo worked or, or the constraints around it. And it came off to a lot of people as, seeing, as seeming not just cold, but almost like terrifying that Google would talk about a technology that could be so transformative in such a dispassionate way or a, a, a inhuman way. Also, technically, if some other device or something calls and pretends to be you that's identity theft technically isn't it yeah people think not but it might also violate laws about whether because it has to record what you're saying in order to uh, respond to it even briefly and that might be against the law of certain states or certain regions or countries or areas it was just there's so many potential problems with it that they did not even begin they didn't even say look we understand this is new it might be potentially disturbing to some people or it, it might be unusual to some people who want to have a conversation with you it was just presented as though oh it's another product coming your way right but you can think here that if google was proactive and said okay this is the google assistant calling on behalf of let's say my wife barbara steinberg at that particular point of time a lot of people would just hang up the phone thinking some kind of dumb robocall Totally. Or they'd ask what that means, and you'd have to stop and explain what a Google Assistant was before you could have the conversation. Okay, so we're talking about a feature that may have potential, and I could see areas where it will, especially if somebody has a speech defect, there's an accessibility issue. But if you you don't don't speak the same language as the place you're calling. Right. Something like that, where it's helping a person, but without proper notification, there are all sorts of landmines here. And doing something as you say, in the space of a public demonstration, carefully curated, carefully controlled, is not the same thing as doing it in the real world, as, of course, Uber and Tesla realize with those attempts at self-driving vehicles. Yeah. You know, there are always going to be X cases. And also, we're living in a time post-Cambridge Analytica where people are becoming more sensitive about their personal data. And we've seen incidents from everywhere from uh, the NSA to Uber, where people, employees within companies have abused the information that they have access to to either monitor ex-girlfriends or boyfriends 
or to you know spy on celebrities and all those things. And this is in the back of our mind. And we see a computer that we've seen bots have been accused of trolling people on Twitter or or trolling people on Facebook. And now you have the idea of a robocaller that's as powerful as an internet bot. And all these things immediately come to your mind. And then you wonder why, if I was, if I was PR, if I was working at Google, I would have watched that demo and say, these are the objections that people are going to have. And this is how you can easily insert a few words, a little bit of humility, a little bit of uncertainty into the demo to avoid all of this. And that either they didn't think about it or they didn't care, I thought was the, the disturbing part. Well, the takeaway for that is the latter that potentially they don't care. They're not thinking about privacy concerns because you've opened up a hornet's nest here. Absolutely. But it was uh, was interesting to me because right after the Google keynote, Tim Cook did the commencement address at Duke University, and he repeated a very often said at Mantra at Apple that we believe privacy is a human right. But he also went on to say that when we develop technology, we don't just think about what we can do. We think about what we should do. And I think that's a sort of very, it's a generic message, but I think just hearing that from somebody in his position or just hearing that from Sundar Pichai at Google, it reassures you on a human level that they understand the awesome responsibility that should come with the incredible access that they're asking for. You don't hear it from Google, really. The other issue here I was going to ask, it's kind of a side issue because it dovetails back to Apple's issues with Siri, partly because of their privacy concerns. They hired one or two executives to help with Siri. Now, there's been some fear-mongering here that bringing those people over may impact Apple's approach to privacy, but wouldn't it just allow them to have additional skills to deal with that issue without hurting the privacy matter? I've never believed that Apple not operating like Google hurt. Like, I think Siri has a problem regardless of Apple's business model. Apple sort of neglected Siri, um, and it didn't really see the potential of these assistants the way that Google or Amazon did. Uh, and there's two very different things. You can provide deeply personal assistance to somebody without then also using the data you acquired to sell advertising or marketing or to develop other products. You can keep all of that information for just as long as you have to and then delete it so that you don't you don't you don't exploit it in any way shape or form. Google and Facebook choose to exploit it because that's how they pay for it, that's how they make it free. But Apple sells hardware, it doesn't need to make it free. You know, there might be a few areas that are difficult, but they could provide essentially the same service with incredible privacy. They have just failed to do so so far. One issue I hear is that the other services focus on trivia. You ask some kind of ridiculous trivia question and you'll get the answer. Siri focuses on real information. The other thing here, which goes back to the beginning of Siri, and this was when the information had that story with former Siri executives complaining about what Apple did. And one point was made from one of the journalists who tested Siri during like a press demonstration before it went live. And it worked fine. When it went live, things went awry, as if Siri has a constant problem working under load. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that. Sometimes I'll ask Siri something. Commonly, maybe I'll want to take a nap for an hour. And I'll say, Siri, give me an alarm for an hour from now or something. And sometimes it just stalls and sits there. Yeah. And is that one of the issues? Yeah, I used to joke that it almost felt like Eddie Q had one old Windows 80, you know, Windows 98 server in his closet running a Siri instance that he forgot about. And one out of 10 times you hit that instead of the real Siri server. And that's the sort of thing that creates immense frustration because if an experience isn't consistent, it's broken. And if it's broken, you don't want to use it. 
uh, and that's a huge problem. I think in general, you know, we've seen a, a bunch of problems in Apple over the years in a variety of services. Apple Music was hugely problematic at launch. It's gotten better over time. I think Craig Federici, who is Apple's senior vice president of uh, software engineering, taking over Siri, and I think the people they've hired into the organization are helpful. I think, you know, per that information article, they lost a lot of very good people along the way and seemed to lose direction. My personal belief is that uh, Siri is, is one of Apple's big futures, that one day we'll have a Siri OS that'll be AI powered and it'll intermediate a lot of everything we use now in iOS or Mac OS. And I can think of very few projects at Apple, maybe aside from AR and the autonomous technologies group that are as important and they just were not investing in it. And I think HomePod was the big moment for them when they realized the problem because with HomePod, there was nowhere to hide. You didn't have an iPhone interface or even an Apple TV interface to fall back on. It had to just work and it didn't. And I think this is where we started seeing Apple understand the depth of the problem and become much more serious about building out the Siri division. At WWDC last year, Apple said Siri would be using machine learning. And of course, they improved the Siri voice. We no longer have that woman from Atlanta doing the voice of Siri. So I have seen the improved voice. I don't see Siri being all that much better or better at all. One of the biggest problems with Siri right now also is that it's not consistent across devices. For example, Apple has very impressive technology in Apple TV that lets you ask for, like if you speak Spanish, you can still ask for an English movie. And it no, it's a very hard problem to solve in voice is to understand when someone is changing languages. But they solved it years ago before Amazon, before Google, but then it just stuck there. And they had sequential inference, which means that you could say, what's the capital of Germany? And it'll tell you, and then you say, what's the population? And it, it knows you're speaking about the capital of Germany, so you don't have to ask again. And they had that at launch, but they did, didn't take it anywhere. And meanwhile, Amazon and Google have been so aggressive in building stuff out, it looks like Apple's been standing still by comparison. And when you go across the devices, they just don't all do the same things. So I think that's part of what Apple has to do with Siri, and that is make it consistent or a cluster experience where you get the right answer on all of these devices. And if a device can't do something, it just seamlessly hands it. Like if your HomePod has no screen and you want maps, you can still ask the HomePod and it'll bring the maps up on your iPhone because it knows it's your iPhone. We know we have to break. Renee Ritchie will be back on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. 
Now there's a proven powerful anti-inflammatory that absorbs 40 times better. Yes, Nano Curcumin Plus from One Planet Nutrition contains smaller particle size that allows absorption over 40 times better into your bloodstream. Nano Curcumin Plus may also help reduce pain and inflammation, detoxify, and help against heart disease and diabetes. Nano Curcumin Plus is now on sale at OnePlanetNutrition.com. Use promo code GCN for your special discount at OnePlanetNutrition.com, the next generation of nutritional supplementation. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Let's return, because Siri won't be solved now. Maybe there'll be some yeah. announcements at WWDC. Renee, let's return to Google I.O. There's a published report that I saw here, and it comes from Vanity Fair. Yeah. And I never think of Vanity Fair as a source of technology information. But the first question here, this is a story that went up the day before we taped this. Huh? Did Google fake its big AI demo? The tech press has questions, and Google isn't providing answers. What's going on? I did watch the keynote and I did watch the demo and all of the stuff to an extent is smoke and mirrors. Every assistant is smoke and mirrors. We don't have something like Knight Rider's kit and we don't have Jarvis from the Iron Man movies. So we don't have Hal from 2001. We don't have, we don't, we don't have, have Jarvis. Wait a minute. No. I mean, oh. we don't have a, and who is the uh, assistant in the legends of tomorrow, DC's legends of tomorrow who runs oh, the wave rider. Uh, yeah. I'm blanking on it. It's the same one that's in the flash. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name. But you watch the show, it. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, absolutely. But we don't have these. They're not real intelligences, and they're certainly not sentient. So all of this stuff is smoke and mirrors. They've got very small data spaces, and they have an amount of set responses, and it tries to figure out which one to play. So it's like Hollywood, where you have the set, and you see the house. It looks like a house, but if you walk around sideways, it's just the facade with some, you know, some lumber behind it to keep it up. And that's really what all these assistants are. But the question, I think it started with John Gruber from Daring Fireball, was whether it was actually fake, whether it was a real call that was edited or whether the entire thing was staged. Axios picked up the story and they went and asked Google and Google wouldn't respond to them. And it's not unusual for a demo to be pre-recorded. It's not even unusual for it to be edited. But they saw inconsistencies, like some of the ones you mentioned, like how much, how well do you know the person on the other end of the phone or do they say certain things? They didn't leave a phone number. Why didn't they leave a phone number to be reached? When you ask for that, when they identify the bill, all of these little things that made it seem like this was maybe a Google, a recording of a Google lab and not a real call. Google did say it was a real call, but now they're asking for more information and Google is just not providing it. You raise that issue. For example, if I call Little Caesars, I want the $5 lunch special, but instead of pepperoni topping, I want sausage topping. They yeah. will ask my name and sometimes ask for my phone number to make sure that I'm not some kind of lunatic calling them. Well, I'm a lunatic, but I call them because I want a pizza. 
or at the very least, they'll ask you to confirm the number that their caller ID is showing them. Correct. All these gray areas they can't do. Yeah. Now, we know, of course, that demonstrations can be canned, and we've seen situations even with Apple, where Apple has a demonstration and something doesn't work. And I remember one in the early 2000s where Steve Jobs was trying to do something with a camera or something, and it didn't work, and he threw it into the hands of somebody sitting in the audience, one of his engineers, I suppose, and you think, what if he just threw it a little higher and it smacked the guy in the head? Yep. No, but I mean, Apple, uh, by contrast, they did the the face id sorry the facetime call with dr dre and they had a, probably a, a room full of technicians around him trying to make sure that worked but they didn't pre-record that call that was an actual live call uh, when they did face id on stage that was live face id for the first time and then when you went to the press room behind it you could see it working and ask questions and i think what we're starting to see is for years the joke was that apple had a reality distortion field but google has enjoyed a reality distortion field, the likes of which Steve Jobs never had access to, that you have these people who are full-on open-source advocates, neckbeards, granola-crunching, hippie people who would normally run screaming from this technology, embracing it just because it's Google. And they're given a wide amount of latitude in the press. And now we're starting to see people push back. I think if Apple had shown off exactly the same demo, we'd see headlines in the Wall Street Journal and New York Times demanding answers and what does this mean and the repercussions and is Apple doing this and is Apple doing that? And we're only seeing a tiny bit of it towards Google and it's making people uncomfortable. And I think that's incredibly interesting, but also incredibly important. We need that level of scrutiny for all of these companies. It kind of reminds me of all the brouhaha over the price of the iPhone 10, $999. How many Samsung phones are over $900? You know, what about the most expensive Google Pixel 2? My I mean, Motorola Razor back in the day was probably close to that. Right. I, by the way, I was a fan of the Motorola Razor. Totally. And I kept it far longer than I needed to before I went to an iPhone. But that's the point you raise here, that if it's Apple, it's expensive, a $5,000 iMac. Yeah, but now go and buy a 5K display if you can find one. Who makes 5K displays? I think there's only a few. And then get a workstation-class computer and tell me what it costs. No, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, every year I buy the new Google phone, so I bought the Pixel 2 XL. I went to do portrait mode because everybody said how fantastic. You know, Google doesn't need two cameras to do portrait mode. Ha ha, Apple has to do. And you know, just how great it was. And I, turned, I opened the camera, I couldn't find it. I spent like a minute, finally I found the menu button and it was buried in the menu button. I turned it on and I didn't see it. So I thought I did it wrong and I went and I turned it on again and that turned it off. So I turned it on again, still didn't see it. Took a photo, I didn't see it. I thought. I thought I was dumb. I didn't, didn't know what was happening. I felt really incompetent. And then I tried it a third time and nothing happened. And I started cursing. And in the time it took me to curse, the picture turned into portrait mode. And what I found out is that because they don't have two cameras and they don't have the same quality chipsets that Apple has, they can't do the preview in portrait mode. And I'm a traditional photographer. If I use like a fast 50 lens, I see the bokeh. I'm used to framing the shot based on the way it actually looks, not like some filter afterwards. And I went to look and it was mentioned as a fragmentary sentence offside in maybe two out of the dozen reviews I found. And it was, it was integral to my experience of that feature. And I know that if that was Apple, it would have been, again, front page news everywhere. Well, there you go with that. I mean, we're not seeing front page news about the fact that you can easily defeat, and I don't know if the Galaxy S9s are any better, their facial recognition and their iris recognition with digital photos. But the slightest yeah. thing that Face ID does wrong, because no system can be perfect, 
That's the headline. If Apple has a faulty update for software, that's the headline. But if Microsoft releases an update to Windows 10, a patch Tuesday or whatever, and it causes your PC to brick, it doesn't boot until the new patch is ready. That's not the headline. Oh, it's just Microsoft. Well, one of my favorites was you know, Touch ID got all incredible amounts of scrutiny, but the early Samsung and, and HTC phones with fingerprint readers stored the fingerprint photos unencrypted in a publicly accessible directory on the phone, and I think only Ars Technica wrote about it. Well, I also recall the fact that Twitter had a recent request out to, what, 350 million people. Change your password because internally we have a log that stored the passwords in clear text. But no, yes. nobody stole that. Really? Is that what you want to say? You're telling me that nobody knows. I mean, I've seen my Twitter password hacked. A friend of mine had his Twitter password hacked, but in that case, it was somebody who deliberately wanted to take it over and pull some stuff. But nothing is safe. I've had some pretty top-notch security experts on the show. One is a former Air Force Major General, and he told me his daughter had her ID stolen and somebody bought a car in her name and it took him like a year or two yeah. to get the thing straightened out. Totally. And by no means am I saying people should go easy on Apple. Just the opposite. I'm saying that everybody should be as, as diligent and scrutinize all the major tech companies, Facebook, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, to the same extent they do Apple, because that's when it starts to actually benefit consumers. Let's get back to the Google thing. So we don't know about AI whether there was hanky-panky there. <laughs> At this point, do we have any final answers from Google about the charges no. in that vanity fair? No, uh, no, we don't. And again, that, that to me was just part and parcel with the way the whole thing was, was demonstrated because they didn't say it was an imminent product. It's, they made it sound like more of a tech demo. And as far as I know, they haven't answered yet. So we'll, we'll first have to wait and see if they do say something, and then we'll have to wait and see how the product performs in the real world when it's actually shipped. And there's a thing, too, with new inventions from Google. When Google Maps came out, for what? How many years? It was beta. Gmail, yeah. beta. Now, when Apple introduced Siri, it was beta, too. It was marked that way. When they yeah. introduced Apple Maps, didn't have the beta label. Yeah. And Apple got justifiably attacked for it. But I've run into pretty silly stuff with Google Maps, and you never hear anything. Google Maps, that's fine. we got more with... Renee Ritchie of iMore. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. 
Many people write us about their experience with Extendivite. Allow me to read you a few from Amazon.com. By Mel. Great product. My husband and father-in-law use it regularly. Both my husband and father-in-law have had significant change in their blood pressure and overall health. By Amazon customer. It works for me. Return to buy the tincture in the capsules as they were on sale during February. Unlike some other products, this one worked for blood pressure and occasional irregular heartbeat. Extendivite produced noticeable results after just two bottles, a four-month supply. I take Extendivite three times a day, every day. I think this supplement has helped with my increased fitness regime and to lower my blood pressure. Tell us your story. Get Extendivite today. Call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. This is Fred. Uh, hi, I'm Fred. Fred's a repeater. I tend to repeat. Fred has a business. I do have a business. And a problem. Fred repeats the same tired advertising over and over, and now it doesn't work. Over and over. But Fred is about to see a vision. I'm seeing a vision. Advertising on the Genesis Communications Network is the smart way for Fred to reach his potential customers with the most affordable national advertising rates, period. Get started today with GCN, the Genesis Communications Network. Just email advertise at GCNlive.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Very briefly, did you look at the coverage, Renee, of Android P? Yes. What do we see there? Anything really new and different? I understand the gestures remind you of the iPhone 10. Yeah, I mean, Google has some challenges. The advantage that Apple has is that they're an integrated vendor. They make everything from the silicon, the chipsets, 
that are in the device to the pixels that are in the display of the device. They control everything. So when they roll out a feature, like they rolled out the notch uh, the, 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 on iPhone 10, the entire system is built around supporting it. When they rolled out the gestures that went with removing the home button, they also put in uh, technology that increased the response rate by a factor of two. So when you did those gestures, they really felt stuck like with glue to your finger and when you move up and down they move exactly and that, that's what creates the illusion of this working of it being like a one-to-one -one direct response rate but google never really knows what hardware is going to be underneath android so they have to add support for the notches that all the android phones are adding and they have to add support for things like these gestures without knowing the quality of the touch layer on the device or knowing how many or how big the sensors are on the front of the phone and that always, to me, makes it look like it's a little off. And that's the sort of thing that I feel like with Android P, its genius is Google's strengths, like things like the AI that's being built into it and the assistant and the services are all rock solid, you know, industry leading, best in class. But anything that has to rely on the sort of hodgepodge of different uh, vendors, especially vendors making more commodity handsets with stock parts, it, it just starts to fall apart. So I see Android phones having a notch cosmetic yes. or do they expect to have circuitry in there that will provide facial recognition like one of the reasons that apple made the notch was that they really wanted to go edge to edge but there's not technology to put things like a camera uh, and some of the sensors underneath the display yet so they had to compromise by leaving those exposed and that created the notch and i think android vendors want to have the same thing they want to be able to say they have edge to edge display a higher uh, screen to bezel ratio and they're making the same sort of compromise. The essential phone, which came out right, you know, just before the iPhone 10, had a tiny little notch just for the camera. Uh, but to me, it's it's always not about having it or not having it. But are you giving me a compelling product that'll that'll make me put up with it? And I think the true depth camera and face ID and all of that on the iPhone, it's really compelling. I think some of the ones we're seeing here are silly is the wrong word, but they're not they're not elegantly designed. I wonder in retrospect whether making that screen on the top a quarter inch lower which i guess kind of obviates the edge to edge a little bit would that have been a better design visually i mean that's what you see samsung's stuck to with the galaxy note and it, it just depends what you want like uh, with apple i think they value looking haha <laughs> now that everyone's copied it but they valued sort of being unique looking unique and sort of doing something that was a little bit next generation and they would have looked like a hundred other android phones at the time if they'd done that and they also really did think it was freeing like almost like on an apple watch you can put complications in the corner and they're not at the center of your vision but they're there if you want to glance at them and this let apple put things like the time and the wi-fi signal up in the corners where they're not really in your way but they're sort of out of the display now and you can have all that display for your content i don't know whether i'll get an iphone 10 next year i assume you've got one yes okay are you going to go update if they have the larger screen version this fall from iphone 6 to iphone uh, 7 and even the iphone 8 that i got i like the plus much better because i'd like the idea of it being a tiny tablet as much as it was a big phone and just the amount of things I could do with it. I could basically do my entire job if I had to remotely just by using that phone. Uh, and with the iPhone 10, I got a screen that's almost as big and a device that is much smaller. And I do like the ability to you, know, you walk around, drink your coffee, use your phone, not have to worry about using it like a tablet. I'm going to wait to try it before I make up my mind because uh, maybe it will be so big. Like you're getting to the point of over six inches. It might as well be a, an iPad tiny at that point that maybe it'll be productive enough that I'm going to do it anyway. But I, I really like the size of the iPhone 10 right now. I think part of it is 
people are addicted to larger smartphones. I mean, we get someone like the Macalope who wants his yeah. iPhone SE. And I believe that, you know, I believe that there are people who prefer that. One of my friends, Kirk McElhern, you probably know him. Yeah. Kirk yeah. has, I think, an 8 Plus now, but he wanted an iPhone SE. He does not like the bigger phones, and I can understand it because my wife has an iPhone 5C. And really, it's long in the tooth. It needs to be replaced. Whatever Apple comes out with, if we can get a good deal, maybe we'll consider getting it. But for me, I need the big iPhone, even though if I use a Plus model, it kind of extends out of my jeans pocket a little bit. I never got into the clown uniform, you know, with the big pockets. Or maybe what we have to do now is when you go buy jeans from a store or Amazon anywhere, they'll have special versions specially designed for large smartphones. You need the Jim Dalrymple jeans that can fit an iPad mini in the back pocket. Oh, okay. I asked Jim about that. <laughs> you're, you're totally, I think it depends on whether the phone to you is an adjunct or whether it's your primary computer. Just like you know, some countries never had copper networks and they went straight to mobile. They never had huge PC implementations and they went straight to phones. Or maybe you can only afford one device and you need to have a phone so that becomes your primary device. Or you work remotely a lot. You travel, you're a salesperson, you're out on the factory floor or something, and the iPhone just becomes that primary device for you. Then the bigger screen lets you be that much more productive and it has immense value. Where if you're sitting in front of your Mac or even like an iPad Pro most of the day and you only really want your iPhone to check messages or reply to emails on the go, then it being small and light and easy. It's like the super legere race car. You know, it's really an advantage at that point. Here's the way I started using the iPhone and I began to really be heavy into it. It's when they had the three and a half inch screen, the original. Yeah. And I made a habit every evening of taking my PowerBook and then my MacBook Pro into the bedroom and spending a while keeping up with email. So I got the iPhone and I thought, well, you know, I can answer a lot of my email. And also I learned how to be brief. So I don't have to worry about writing long sentences when I can just write something really short and keep in touch with that, keep in touch with the news, watch a TV show and learn more about it. And I realized, you know, I have to have an iPhone. And thus I use my notebook much less. I have an eight-year-old MacBook Pro. I don't use it very much. Therefore, it still has the original battery. There's no reason to replace it because it's mostly been used plugged into the wall socket or actually the power strip. So I'm not concerned about that. But I don't use it very much unless I travel. It becomes critical then. But even when I'm traveling, the iPhone does most everything. It's when I have to edit recordings for the radio show that I need something reasonably large. And I do it on an iPad if they had software that I could use like Audio Hijack. Imagine if they had audio hijack for iPad, and I think Apple has to open up sandboxing to allow one application to capture audio from multiple applications. And I think once that can be done, I think that's a problem. You'd see an app. I think it'd be great to take a, say, a 10 and a half inch iPad and do my entire show on it. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I've talked about this before, so apologies if you've heard it, but my, my father was an IBM engineer and he worked on their mainframes and then he bought an Apple II and it meant that he could use VisiCalc without having to drive downtown. And that's say it wasn't as powerful as a mainframe, but it let him do enough that he could work from home. I'm Gene Steinberg. He's Renee on the Tech Night Out Live. You are 
are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. You have been lied to generation after generation, time after time after time. If you follow the money, then you understand why America's in the condition it's in. Now, you created the Star Reserve in 1913 through lies. You create 9-11. Through 9-11, then you're fighting a war on terror. And now all of a sudden you go into Iraq, which was another lie. This book will open people's eyes. Order now at killingunclesambook.com. Killingunclesambook.com. Message and data rates may apply. Remembering when to change your fridge filter is a hassle. Remembering the right filter is almost impossible. So at Filters Fast, we have some good advice. Forget it. Instead, remember this. Text BEST55 to 443-443 and check fridge filters off your to-do list forever. Get it all taken care of for a fraction of big box store prices with a Filters Fast brand filter. To see how much you can save, plus get free shipping, text BEST55 to 443-443. With a huge range of brand name filters available, Filters Fast is America's number one online filtration company. And you can get a Filters Fast brand filter for a fraction of the price, delivered to your door every time you need it. No need to remember. It's not a matter of if you need a fridge filter. Why not text to get it taken care of? To see how much you can save and get free shipping, Text BEST55 to 443-443. That's B-E-S-T-55 to 443-443. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you can move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do.
do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So that was the thing right there, telecommuting. Yes. The ability to be able to use your technology or some of it at home. And I have to go yeah. to the office. I got into that in the 1980s because up till then I was working in traditional typography before we had the desktop publishing revolution. Yep. Now, I couldn't bring in one of my CompuGraphic edit writers or one of these other large machines into my home. Just imagine with those big photo typesetting developing devices where you had to process your output instead of a laser printer. And then as soon as all that happened and I could just bring it into my home, I bought a Mac. And then I didn't have to go to the office anymore except for very specialized work. Yeah. And that really changed a lot of things. Everything that's there now, I can do a lot better. Like an example, then when you've spent $4,000 for a laser writer, the output would be good for proofing, but yes. not for final output. Nowadays, for $100, you can buy a laser printer. Of course, it's not 1117. You have to spend what 200. You could basically get output sharp enough that it would pass for books and things. Yep. In fact, if you use print-on-demand books, they're using basically a glorified copy machine with a very yeah. elaborate sorting system. I think it's a Xerox or something like that, where they can run the entire book there in a couple of minutes, and it's basically just a copying machine. Totally. And the quality is good enough that you accept it as genuine printing. And it, it just doesn't stop. And someone made a great analogy that we went from having clocks in town hall to having clocks in the house, to having clocks in the bedroom, to having clocks in our pocket, to having clocks in our wrist. And we're seeing that with computers now. I was always at my laptop and then I got an iPhone and then I didn't have to be at my laptop all the time. I could be out and about. And if somebody needed me, I could take care of it. And now I have a watch on that for certain really brief, but important, but frequent tasks, I don't even have to reach for my phone anymore. And it just seems to keep going on that path. Let's go back to something here, because bringing up the Apple Watch reminds me of another issue. Back to the iPhone 10. All these stories that came out late last year and early this year. The iPhone 10 is a big fail. The supply chain indicates collapsing demand, and some of the numbers they produced just didn't make any sense. Like they were going to produce 50 million iPhone 10s in the March quarter, which is ridiculous because Apple generally doesn't sell that much more units for all their models but you know it got pretty crazy and then tim cook at the conference call for the december quarter the number one smartphone on the planet is the iphone 10 in the march quarter the number one smartphone on the planet is the iphone 10 yep anyone feel chastened yet 
No, I, I did a video on this uh, because it happens every quarter. And I think it was really enlightening to me. I went through it. I looked at all the stories and it's from the usual suspects, Bloomberg, the Wall Street Journal, Nikkei. Goes, I see NBC is a big one uh, every quarter. Uh, and then there's this remarkable video from uh, 2006, I think. It's, it's an inside Wall Street video. And they're speaking to Jim Cramer back when he was running a hedge fund. And he was talking mostly about BlackBerry because that was the big brand back then. But then someone said, what about Apple? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's great. You, you know, if you want to make some money on Apple, if you're short and you need to meet your numbers, what you do is you call up and you say that Verizon's taking a pass on the phone or AT&T is not happy or Apple's not going to make the Macworld deadline where there's some other problem with it. And you give that to the hedge funds and then you call up the Apple media and they love to run those headlines and you just give them that story. They love that story. And then they publish it. You just beat that stock down. You can't let that stock get up and you beat it down as much as you can. And then the results come up. I mean, you make your numbers. And the host said, well, what about you know the people who sell? He goes, yeah, I mean, people get burned. And then a few weeks later, they buy back and they forget about it. But this is what you have to do when you run this business. I don't believe that reporters can claim naivete anymore because they, they go through this every quarter. I think we see the deliberate manipulation of the stock by people who play the markets and the, the compliance of the media who wants the, the headlines because they get a ton of attention from running those headlines. And I think neither of them are actually thinking about investors or thinking about their audience. And I think it's, it's disgraceful. How close is that to illegality or is it all about freedom of the press? There, I mean, I don't know the, SEC, the FEC specifics for the hedge fund. I mean, I was, I was surprised that Kramer would be that candid about it. Uh, because it does seem like stock manipulation to me, but I just think it's unethical. The reporters can say they're running the story because they saw the rumor somewhere, because this financial analyst said he spoke to the supply chain, or that financial analyst said that she heard from suppliers or distributors or something. And so they can internally justify while they're running it. But I think the job is not to run the story. The job is to present the story within its context. And if you know that it was a completely fake last year, or if you know that Tim Cook you know, said that you can't look at a single supplier and extrapolate our business because we buy so much in advance, we shift suppliers so much that it's just not an indicator of anything. Then it's incumbent of them not to run the headline iPhone 10. iPhone 10 is a failure, but to say, you know, uh, financial markets are trying to downplay iPhone 10 again and then say, historically, this happens every quarter and has almost never proven to be true. Crying wolf, when will they stop getting away with it? I think yeah. part of it is the media gives them a pass. They run the story, Apple, big fail. And then, of course, Tim Cook makes this announcement. Okay, it didn't happen. And they don't yeah. look long term. Well, they've been doing this for years. At what point do they stop? Because nobody pays attention. Maybe that's when something will really happen. And I like I'm a big believer in personal responsibility. And I think it's incumbent on us to sort of take responsibility for this and tell them when they run those stories that it's not acceptable. And if they run them again, to stop reading them. I think that's how we vote. We vote with our attention. Right. But of course, Apple fail is the headline that catches. And of course, the same yeah. thing with the Apple Watch. It's been yeah. a failure every quarter, but it's the yes. number one best-selling wearable, not just smartwatch, but wearable on the planet now. How'd that yeah, happen? Apple is remarkably consistent and they're actually a very upfront company. Like when you, I think part of the problem is that people expect technologists to lie all the time. And Apple is usually remarkably candid. And they said, you know, we have even Steve Jobs, when he, he set expectations incredibly low for the original iPhone, and now it's selling 50 million units, even in a down quarter. But you look at Apple Watch, and they introduced it, and they gave it some features, and they found out what features people liked. They doubled down on those features. They added features that they thought would be popular, and it built and built. 
And again, you have to call out the media on this. The media was saying Apple Watch was a failure and Amazon Echo was a raging success when the Apple Watch was outselling the Echo. That's, again, a complete disservice to the readership, to the audience. So Apple does not release numbers. It's one of the few products they don't release numbers for. But they did say it grew another 50%, I believe, uh, was, was the latest numbers they gave out year over year, if I'm not mistaken. And that's a business that any other company in the Valley would give two or three executives lives for. And what's interesting here is you do get estimates because people are making guesses on Apple's other products business to see how many might be Apple Watches. Even if they're close, the Apple Watch's third-year sales weren't that far removed from the iPhone's third-year sales, which is just amazing. And I remember what Steve Jobs said when he introduced the original iPhone in 2007. We'll be happy. If we get 1% of the market by the end of 2008, and Apple beat that by a considerable margin, we forget that. He didn't make great expectations. He said great things about its potential, but he never said it would take over the market or start a new market. And he never said that even if Apple doesn't produce as many units as Samsung, where it counts, they produce a lot more. Yeah, I mean, the Mac has been successful for years, having a minority, a very small, some often single digit um, market share because Apple makes profit on their devices. They don't race to the bottom. They don't try to compete for people for whom price is the most important feature. They want to make products that they think are great products. And they've been successful, whether it's incredibly popular like iPhone or whether it's a relatively small market share like Mac. And I think that sort of shows the endurance and robustness of their business model. And the thing to bear in mind, too, here is when you say Apple prices are very high, if you look at comparable equipment, like I said, with like an iMac Pro compared to a workstation, the prices are in line. A high-end smartphone? Sure. A high-end smartwatch? Add up all the features. One more segment with Renee Ritchie of iMore. iMore.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Tired of being censored by Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Patreon? Well, now you don't have to be. OneWay.com is the free speech and human-friendly social network built just for you. 
Stop feeding the beast. Every post you make on those evil, anti-human, anti-American perverted sites helps them destroy our families, our country, and our souls. Join One Way today and take back your liberty. Your free speech alternative is waiting for you at OneWay.com. OneWay.com. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Healthcare reform is confusing. With the loss of the Obamacare mandate, those needing help can now choose an affordable alternative. By joining Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community of health-conscious Americans all over the country who control their own healthcare costs and choices. Liberty HealthShare is not insurance. It is an association of self-pay patients who unite with like-minded people to share the cost of their medical needs. Neighbor helping neighbor. Learn more now by going to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-261-9818 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-261-9818. Again, 800-261-9818. Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. $39.95 and free economy shipping. Use discount code GCN and get an extra 10% off your purchase at BugAssault.com. Fire your fly swatter. Get your Bug Assault today. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So it comes down to this. I guess Apple's big enough to get a bad rap. I mean, like you mentioned this in the previous segment where you look at Apple's pricing is comparable and where they're successful is showing you that you get even more value than what you pay. So, for example, uh, you buy an iPhone and yeah, it costs maybe six hundred, seven hundred dollars, depending on which one you get. And you can get a Samsung for seven or six hundred dollars or a Pixel for seven hundred or six hundred, you know, six hundred dollars, seven hundred dollars, an LG phone. I once uh, on a new year, there was a fireworks malfunction and a firework hit my chest and fell off landed on my iPhone and it melted the oleophobic coating. And right after New Year, I went to the Apple store because there was an Apple store at the local mall. 
They'd never seen it before. They swapped it for a completely new iPhone. I put in my iCloud ID and I left with a phone that was for all intents and purposes, exactly the phone that I had uh, a day or two previously. We got my mom an iPad Pro and she and her friends went to the Apple store again at the mall. And she's taken courses on uh, music and making videos. My God kids have taken the how to code courses and these are all available free. Uh, so there's an incredible amount of added value you get for that price tag that just other companies haven't been capable of providing it. You can't go to the Samsung store and take all these classes or the Pixel store and get all this, this service. And, the and I think Pixel what? Price. What Pixel, Pixel store? store right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The, and why are they going to call the genius? The AI guy? Yeah. I mean, and that, that is value that you get for buying the Apple product. Well, I have to say this, though. I was doing work as a Mac consultant in the Phoenix area. And then they opened six Apple stores here. I think the third one was over at Chandler Fashion Mall. And I'm about 10 minutes or 15 minutes from there. I went to that opening and that's when we had Ron Johnson and Apple. And I had a nice talk with him, really nice guy. and got the t-shirt and everything and watched how it opens where the crew applauds the customers. Grand opening. And I realized, you know what? With the Genius Bar, if they won't have me come to their home and get an hourly pay, they'll just take their computer in to Apple and get their free service, at least if it isn't too old. You know, I've had experiences with Apple support that are pretty good. My son received in 2008 for his graduation a black MacBook. He proceeded to wear out every single part within the three-year Apple Care warranty. I'm so grateful (laughs) I got that. Every part on that computer wore out and had to be replaced at least two or three times. We got Apple to extend the warranty with lots of complaining and moaning about this poor former college student for another six months or a year. He got four years out of it. He has since purchased a MacBook Air. But you see what I mean? Yeah. Exemplary performance. And of course, now there's a class action lawsuit about the butterfly keyboards, the very low travel keyboards on the MacBook and the MacBook Pro, because I guess they have some early failures. But yep. if you look at the class, it's only got two participants. You think if this thing was so defective, people would be lining up. Apple sold millions of these things. Yeah, I mean, I had my first keyboard failure yesterday. I mean, on a 2016, I've, I've used five or six different ones, the different review units and, and the ones that I've gotten and hadn't had a problem until yesterday. And I did the whole compressed air thing. Now we have social media. So it's always hard to tell what's just a popular complaint topic and what is an actual support incident topic. And I think Apple Insider published numbers that showed that the overall incidence for MacBook Pros was way down. It was significantly down. In general, the new MacBook Pros are far more reliable than previous years, but the keyboard numbers hadn't changed. They'd gone slightly up in 2016 and then returned to normal in 2017. So Apple made the entire machine much more reliable except for the keyboard. But there's just so many people complaining about it that it's, it sounds like every keyboard is failing. Well, speaking of Apple, I got a replacement keyboard for my iMac. And I have the magic keyboard. And how did that happen? Yes. Very simple. I went to the Apple store, brought the other keyboard that had a dead key. I needed a keyboard now. And he said, you know, I, I'm out of stock of this, the original wireless keyboard. And I can have one in in a couple of days. I said, I can't wait a couple of days. I got to get back to work. Can you do something for me? He went back and said, here's a magic keyboard. Have a nice day. So the magic keyboard, which is the low travel keyboard, very, very similar to the ones in the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. It's fine. I'm using the darn thing all day long. It works just fine. I have no complaints. Of course, now it's going to break. Listen, I think I've only replaced one or two keyboards since the 1980s 
on a Mac. I've replaced batteries a couple of times. If there was a real problem with the keyboard on a MacBook or a MacBook Pro, Apple gets a lot of complaints. What do you think they'll do? They'll extend the warranty and give you a free keyboard. I mean, we like to say that Apple's not paying attention, but generally there's a system in place where if they get a sufficient number of incidents, it prompts an alert. They look at the alert and they've already done a battery replacement program for the non-touch bar version of this MacBook Pro because there was battery swelling at a level that was not, you know, there's always some problem with lithium ion, but it's when it becomes a larger than normal problem that they have to do something. And if the numbers of keyboard replacements reach a certain level, they'll have to make a keyboard replacement program too. And when you're a company of Apple's size, all this stuff is built into procedures that they follow. Also, if you're really concerned, if you escalate your service request, you know, it's really, really hurting your productivity. You got to have something done now. There's always going to be a department there that will listen to you and try to do something. Even if there isn't a program, they'll try to work with you. It's not like it's a faceless creature. I mean, they have a certain amount of latitude to do what they can to make the customer happy because in general, Apple knows they've already gotten the money for the product that you bought and they want you to remain an Apple customer. It's far more efficient to keep customers than it is to get new ones. And it's far more valuable to make your customers happy than to make them angry. Some people go in there and they're absolute jerks and they wonder why they don't get any help. If you go in there and you're like super decent and you're honest with them and you tell them exactly what you need and you don't have to like fake tears or anything, but in almost every case, they seem to bend over backwards to help you. I've run into a situation there where I found maybe a couple of geniuses I wasn't impressed with. But usually 99 and 44 hundredths percent of the time, yeah. I get what I need. And frankly, I haven't been to an Apple store in a couple of years. I have nothing that has to be fixed. I have an eight-year-old notebook computer right here. It's way out of warranty. Apple, I think, calls this vintage now after eight yes. years. Is that what call it? <laughs> I have a vintage MacBook Pro. I can't see anything wrong with it. I mean, I've opened it up a couple of times. I had an SSD from MacSales.com, and it's not that bad because with the SSD, it runs pretty quickly. Yeah, it's a huge uh, boost. Right, so it works fine. And other than the lack of a retina display, I can keep this until it falls apart because if it falls apart, who cares? It's really well built. I mean, there is a right-to-repair argument about modern, not just I, I would argue not just Macs, but modern computers, modern cars modern everything, where we're building structural elements and crumple zones. We're creating things in, in a way that makes them much more useful. They last much longer, and they're much more solid, but they're harder to repair. But in exchange for that, you get what you said, which is a computer that has a, a unibody aluminum structure that's probably going to last five, six, seven, eight years. Well, we've got eight now. It's got a couple of scratches on. My wife has an iPhone 5C. How old is that? Like three, four years old now? But she uses it and she doesn't say anything. Why can't I have a new iPhone? I need a new iPhone. No. That probably is why smartphone sales have plateaued. Because at least for iPhones, you don't have to toss them away. Apple's still selling the iPhone 6S from, what, how many years ago? Still providing support and new updates and everything. I'm still running High Sierra on that MacBook Pro from 2010. Nice. Renee Ritchie, where can we find more of your stuff? Uh, you can find me at iMore. I'm on Twitter, at Renee Ritchie, and I have a YouTube channel uh, called Vector. You can find us on Twitter, too, if you look for Tech Night Owl. That's one word, Tech Night Owl. I'm on Facebook as Gene Steinberg, the guy with the red plaid shirt. If that's the one he's wearing, it's got to be me. We've got a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast. And this week with our special guest co-host, Gogs Mackay, direct from Scotland. 
we'll be offering Brent Rains, who has a magazine now called Alternate Perceptions about all the things that go bump in the night and all the wacky things that go on. And it was a really fascinating, enjoyable session. That's at Paracast.com. We also offer a special version of this show free of the network ads for those of you on YouTube and elsewhere who don't like ads from radio networks. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. For Tech Night Owl Plus, prices start at just $1.49 in the words of the publishers of a magazine many years ago. Our price, cheap. Renee Ritchie, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you so much for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.